Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Wyatt Brown, and it is an amazing day to be here with you. And today we have a guest that needs absolutely no introduction, especially in the podcast and entrepreneur space. This gentleman is the host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast where he interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are truly on fire with over 200 episodes under his belt, 1 million plus listens a month. And you can include me in those listens and seven figures of annual revenue he's just getting started and you know if you need anything from me you can visit eofire.com to set your entrepreneurial journey on fire without further ado create your life family this is john lee dumas john lee dumas please say hello to the create your life fam kevin i am fired up to be here thanks for having me man man my absolute pleasure john i just want to jump right in i know that you have a wealth of knowledge to give and so much information about you is out there in the universe so we have fielded questions from our listeners and i have some questions that i really needed to get answered that i was hoping to get answered so my first question right out the gate is what was life like growing up in maine and what inspired you to leave your hometown you know, Maine was a great place to grow up because it was a small town. I can remember so clearly walking down to the park, which is where everybody my age gathered. You know, there's a basketball court, there's baseball, there's tennis. It's right there. I could bike there in about 30 seconds, walk or run there in about four or five minutes. So it was just a great little place to congregate. You know, I went to a really small elementary school and then high school. So it was just really a place of community. It was a place of family. It was a place of connection and it's one of those things where it's a great feeling in life to have a place to go back to that just feels like home. And, you know, I know not everybody has that because, you know, maybe your family moved 
moved around a lot or things have changed, whatever it might be. But I know that I can always go back to Maine and it just feels like home and it's there. And that was a really special time in my life that I look back fondly. And, you know, I knew it was time to leave, though. After 18 years, I knew it was time to kind of spread my wings and try some different things, which is why I went to Providence, Rhode Island to go to college. And I was a uh, Army ROTC officer there. And then post-college, I was actually an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. So that really got me around the world to experience a lot of what was going on. Absolutely. And I'm very curious, how did your time in the military as an officer and combat veteran prepare you for the peaks and valleys of entrepreneurship? The thing about being an officer that's really interesting is it's a sink or swim type of scenario. I mean, you graduate from college with some training as a cadet, but you get to your first unit and they are just like, lieutenants, there's your platoon, jump in. And you just need to have such a open mind to what they call on-the-job training, where Mm -hmm. you are not going to know what you're doing getting in there. You need to learn on the job. You need to look at people who rank below you because you're an officer and they rank below you. So they are, you know, calling you sir and technically looking to you for orders. But you need to humble yourself to say, listen, I may be of a higher rank than these people, but these people all outrank me experience wise, Mm -hmm. knowledge wise. They've been here. I mean, even a 19 year old private who has been in the army for a year, a year and a half knows way more than I do as a 23, 24 year old officer who has never experienced that actual life before. So it really taught me to be humble. It taught me to lean on others who have been there before me to have those on the job training skills that all translated really well to being an entrepreneur. Love it. So for me personally, I just finished a startup tech accelerator. And I noticed that you also worked in finance for a bit in real estate, but you also had a stint in a startup world. What did that teach you about entrepreneurship and scale? Really that you just needed to be ready every day for a completely new challenge out of left field. Every day I would get to work at that startup and it would be something completely random and completely new. And again, none of us really had a quote unquote area of expertise on, but there was nobody to call. There was nobody to complain to. It was on us to get up and make it happen. And so because of my time in the military, especially with my 13 month tour of duty in Iraq, when you know mm-hmm. you're know you stationed overseas and you maybe don't have the materials or the weapons or the ammunition or whatever you might need to complete that task or that mission to the level that you really want to, you say, you know what, we're just going to soldier up and drive through and make the most of this. And that's really what it was like being in a tech startup. I mean, it was just everyday a new challenge, figure out some way to duct tape things together, learn from those experiences, create SOPs as much as possible, standard Mm -hmm. operating procedures, and just drive forward. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about SOPs, I had the opportunity to sit in on Kate's session at uh, Podcast Movement. She talked a lot about how you guys have systemized things in the back end. So definitely SOPs, that's something that we use here at the Create Your Life series very often as well. Next question is actually from Todd Wanish, who's a listener. He said that he had the opportunity to listen to you way back when, when you were first getting started and before you had this massive audience and several multi-million dollar businesses. He wanted to know, other than consistency, what has been the keys to your growth? Did it happen overnight? Did it happen organically? Or was it something that triggered the growth? Or was it that you were just consistent? And he really wants to know a step-by-step because he says that even with the Kickstarter campaign, you had an, an audience who was willing to contribute and believe in you. Well, first off, Todd, thank you for listening back in the day, you know, back when Entrepreneurs on Fire was just a young podcast trying to make its way in the world. And, you know, listeners like you that definitely made that possible and made me get up every day and believe that it was worth putting another episode out and another episode out and another episode out. So, yes, consistency was absolutely key. 
But a couple other really key steps that I took 100% was number one, I had a mentor and that mentor was key. I invested in myself, in somebody who was currently where I wanted to be. Now, where did I want to be? I wanted to be a successful business podcaster. So I didn't go try to find Richard Branson or Mark Cuban or Gary Vaynerchuk. Guess what? They were not successful business podcast hosts. Mm. So instead I said, I'm going to go find a successful business podcast host because that's who I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I found that in Jamie Masters of The Eventual Millionaire. And so I invested in myself with that mentor. And that was a critical step in my success. I see a lot of people make mistakes when it comes to looking and finding and identifying and then choosing mentors because they just go for people that were successful. Like I have people all the time that say, John, like I'm, I'm a YouTube star. Can you help me take things to the next level? And I'm like, no, because I am not a YouTube star. I think you need to go find somebody who is crushing it at YouTube, who you look up to and admire and have them mentor you to that next level. So that was step number one. Number two is you have to find a mastermind because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I end every single one of my episodes with those words. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with because truer words have never been spoken. So I went out and I upped my average. I found five people. I joined a mastermind. I made them part of my day, of my week, of my month, and that increased the average of what I was doing. And guess what? Now I had five awesome people and each one of those five people was bringing me another person, two more people, one more opportunity, another event, and it just continued to snowball. So if you can just get a core of five people to surround you, that is going to extrapolate out to awesomeness as you go forward. So you need that mentor, you need that mastermind. And then one thing that I see so few people do that is a huge reason for my success, a direct action that I took, Mm -hmm. is that when people like Lewis or when people People like fill in the blank reached out to me and said, John, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I would reply back to them and I would say, thank you. Can we jump on a quick call? And we would jump on a call and I would ask them these questions. How did you hear about me? And now I'm learning amazing, valuable information about how people are hearing about entrepreneurs on fire. And I can then really study that and pour some igniter fluid on the ways people are finding me and the things that are actually working. Number two, what do you like about the show? I can become educated by my listeners about what they actually like about the show. And it might surprise you what your listeners actually like about your own show. And then what don't you like about my show? Now, don't go running and changing your show the first time someone says something negative about your show. But if five, 10, 20 people are saying something kind of similar that they don't really like about your show that much, then maybe it's time to reevaluate that. And then number four, And this is the big one. What Mm -hmm. are you struggling with? What are you, my listener, who reached out to me, who says you like the show, you're finding value in the show, what are you struggling with? And then identify the solution for them when they share with you their struggles, obstacles, and challenges. That's how you build a business. That's how I built over now four multi-million dollar revenue stream by asking that question, what's your struggle? identifying a obstacle or challenge that I wanted to create a solution for, creating that solution and then offering it to them. That is a critical thing that so few people do because they're scared to jump on a one-on-one phone call because they think it's a waste of time, Mm -hmm. energy, effort, fill in the blank for the reasons because there's plenty of them, but they're not doing it. Absolutely. And we call that customer development and understanding of who it is that is actually listening in. Got another question from Brian. He said, At what point did you know that EO Fire would get bigger and turn the corner? You know, what was your tipping point and how did you stay motivated before you got to that point? 
So the tipping point, I would honestly say, was when I got reached out to by Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man, and he asked me to speak on podcasting at New Media Expo, which was the biggest social media conference back in 2012, 2013. And so I had launched my podcast about three months prior. I had seen some legitimate growth, but I was like, I'm wondering how can I take this to the next level? How can I take my influencer, my authority, my brand, my business, myself to the next level? How can I do those things? And I was kind of scratching my head about it. Again, the show was going well. The mm-hmm. listens were there. They were growing steadily but slowly, as all good podcasts do. And I got that opportunity and something just clicked in me. And I'm like, you know what? From this moment on, I'm a pro. I am going to act like a professional in every way, shape, and form about my show, about my business, about my brand. I went to the conference. I spoke on podcasting. I was able to use footage from that, pictures from that, clips from that. And I just made sure that it became part of my brand. So now I wasn't just this guy that launched a podcast, but I was a guy that launched a podcast and then went and spoke on podcasting at the biggest conference in the social media space. And so that was really a tipping point for me when I got back from that conference. I really just had a renewed self sense of worth of where I wanted my brand to go, of the direction I wanted it to go. And I just never let go of that confidence. I'm loving that. And you have the confidence. And I know as you're rising, you switch modes and you you change your mindset in this moment. As you were rising, you obviously we all get negative feedback. What did you think when you first saw it, whether it was public or not? And how did you deal with it? And do you feel that you were prepared for it? I don't think anybody's really ever prepared for the first hater comment or the first piece of negative feedback. It's just so human and so innate within our psyche to react really strongly against negative attacks and against attacks and against haters and against all of those things because we are human beings. We want to survive. And when we are attacked, even though it's nothing that can actually harm us physically, our body reacts in that way. So it's a very, very strong emotion, a very, very strong reaction. So I did not react that well when I got my first or my sixth or my 600th negative comment, negative piece of feedback, hater comment, all those things. But I was able to evolve the mindset over time, uh, you know, again, because I was able to rely on my mastermind. I was able to rely on my mentor, on my friends. And I was able to say, you know what? Hurt people hurt people, Mm -hmm. period. And so instead now, when I get a negative comment that comes my way, you know, I, of course, have that initial visceral reaction. You know, we all have that right away, but Mm -hmm. I feel pity. I don't feel anger after that first emotion because that person is a broken, sad, depressed person that they're sitting somewhere in this world and they feel like they need to try to hurt somebody else because they are hurting so bad. And when you have that mindset, you just feel pity for that individual. Don't feel anger, feel pity and let it just wash off your shoulders like water and focus on the people that you are serving. Love it. Was there ever any point that you felt that you were going to give up when and why and how did you push past that point? You know, I had a pretty good first two months with the podcast. And then I went to just basically attend this conference. Um, Mm -hmm. This is before I spoke at New Media Expo. I just went to attend a conference. And I can remember being there and talking to a couple people about the show. And they're like, oh, that sounds cool, yada, yada. And then my new and noteworthy time frame ended with my podcast. And this is back in 2012 when new and noteworthy was a really big, important thing. It's no longer, but it was Mm -hmm. back then. And I was getting a lot of listens because I 
was number one in New and Noteworthy, and a lot of people were finding my podcast through that. And I remember my podcast just kind of dropped off a cliff. Like I was going from like 3,000 listens a day down to like seven or 800, and I was like, this is just devastating. I don't know if I'll ever recover from this. How will people ever find my show again? I'm no longer in New and Noteworthy. And it was a time where I really considered, is this the beginning of the end? Is this, do I need to kind of find an exit strategy? Do I need to kind of think of what that next thing is? And I really considered it. You know, that was like at the nine or 10 week mark. So it was definitely a time where I was doubting myself and I was doubting the podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. luckily I saw the numbers start to tick up after that. And then I had the opportunity to go speak at New Media Expo and things have kind of been on the up and up since then. But it was definitely a period in my journey that uh, wasn't all roses and rainbows. Who was your champion at that point when you were that low to make sure that you stayed encouraged and stayed the course? Well, 100% my mentor, Jamie Masters, she said, John, this is what happens. This is how it goes. New and noteworthy is done. Now you got to start really buckling down and finding out other growth strategies. And then, of course, my mastermind, because they were going through similar things in their businesses and doing what they were doing. And so we were all there to support and guide each other along the way. Love it. What do you feel like was your big has been your biggest challenge that you've needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? See, my biggest personal challenge is what I would wrap around with comparing. And mm. I know it's another massive human trait. Absolutely. We can't help but compare ourselves to other people. And in this day and age, it's bad because there's Instagram, there's stories, there's YouTube, there's Facebook, there's Snapchat, there's fill in the blank. And what are all of those platforms? Those platforms are all the one perfect second in that person's day. Right. And guess what? Their day probably sucked from beginning to end. It was probably a crappy, crappy day. I'm not even going to say probably. It was possibly a very crappy, crappy day. But of course, everybody can pose for one picture and we're like, oh my God, look, that person's having the best day. They're smiling and there's like an ocean in the background or there's suns in the back. Like, And we compare ourselves to that. And the sad thing is when you compare, you will always despair. So let me just first off say, you're never going to get away from comparing because it's just such a human trait. Mm-hmm. But if you can just come to the understanding that comparing equals despairing, you will be so much better off. And remember, whenever you find yourself comparing yourself and your business and your branding, your status in life to somebody else, just remember this. The one and only person you should truly be comparing yourself to is you yesterday. And if you win that comparison of you yesterday, then you are winning at life, period, end of story. So just like we have a immediate gut visceral reaction when somebody gives us a negative comment or a hater comment or whatever it might be, we have the same kind of reaction when we see somebody doing something amazing. We're like, oh my God, their life is so much better than mine. Then tell yourself after that reaction that you can't avoid, say, all right, John, I'm comparing right now. And of course, I'm going to despair if I'm comparing. So am I a little bit better today than I was yesterday? Did I work out today? Did I hydrate? Did I meditate? Did I journal? You know, did I do any of the number of things that is making me a better human being? Did I read 15 minutes of a business book? You know, did sure. I record one podcast episode? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I put some piece of value out there into the world? And if you can say yes to any or all of those things, your comparison to you yesterday is improving and that's your only main focus. Absolutely. Here at the Create Your Life series, we often say that comparison is the death of progress. So I'm so happy that you said that. But in comparison, like you said, it's a human trait. How do you yourself avoid getting success amnesia? Because I feel like that's also an entrepreneurial trait is that you forget all of the amazing thing that you've done you know, prior. 
So I don't because, again, I'm a human being and I'm going to have that happen to me. So whenever that happens to anybody who's listening, just remember it's not nothing's wrong with you. It's not not going to happen. It is going to happen. These thoughts, these feelings, these emotions are going to happen. Then I just try to remind myself that, listen, okay, what's the next emotion that I want to feel here? Okay, let's actually see how far I've come. And that's where journaling comes into place, actually writing down your goals, your aspirations, your successes, your accomplishments, X, Y, Z. That's where meditation comes in. So if these things are part of your daily practice, then you're able to quickly go back to those things when you have that success amnesia kick in. Love it. And speaking of, it takes a lot of discipline in order to do this, just to, to podcast and you doing a daily podcast prior and now switching formats or frequencies of how often you put out a new show. How did you develop the level of discipline that it took, takes to run Entrepreneur on Fire? And what were some of the hurdles there? I just take it one day at a time. I take it one day at a time. I think a lot of people look at an elephant and they're like, how can I swallow that with one gulp? And the reality is you eat an elephant one bite at a time, period. So I just look at every single day. Like for instance, today I had five interviews that I conducted for Entrepreneurs on Fire. True Mm -hmm. story. Five interviews. A lot of people would be like, dude, I could never do five interviews in one day. But the reality is this. When I'm up, wake up in the morning and I look at my calendar and I see that I have five interviews for Entrepreneurs on Fire on the calendar. Mm -hmm. I then look at 6.30 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. and I'm like, you know what? 7.30 p.m., it's coming tonight. It is going to arrive. Whether I want it to or not, it is arriving. And so guess what? I'm either going to do these five interviews or I'm not. But 7.30 p.m. is going to come. So why not just do these five interviews and just let them come step by step by step and not put too much stress or anxiety or pressure on any one of them and just make it happen? And that's exactly how I approach it day by day by day. And that allows you to be much more disciplined because you can just look at that day for what it is and recognize 730, 8 o'clock, midnight, whatever time frame you want to use, mm-hmm. it will come. <laughs> so just realize, are you going to be sitting at that moment in time and say, I've done five interviews? Or are you be sitting at that moment in time and say, man, I really just kind of wussed out today. Absolutely. And what you just said goes right into Tori from Montreal's question. She wants a glimpse of what the back end process of running Entrepreneur on Fire looks like. You already talked about batching your interviews and doing five in one day. She's interested in what the other components of it look like from a back end perspective. If you could shed any light, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, you know, from a back end perspective, I mean, it's myself and Kate and we have a few virtual assistants that help us kind of run this entrepreneurs on fire empire. I mean, we keep things lean. We keep it tight. We wake up in the morning. We have a daily update every single morning where Kate and I are both going over the major priority tasks that we have. And we're kind of updating those tasks with where we're at on that project and who's currently on the hot button as far as like what needs to happen next and who needs to take charge of that next step. And so we're both on the exact same page in the morning. Then every evening we have a daily wrap up where we're going back in, we're doing the exact same thing. So we are kind of filling in exactly how we ended the day with all the tasks that we have there in process. And, you know, everything in the middle is directly off of our calendar. So, you know, we have our Google calendars that we're very structured with and planned out weeks and weeks, if not months in advance. And everything that's on the calendar, we execute upon. 
like this interview that I had with you was was set up a long time ago. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. Like if you would reach out to me three days ago, a week ago and said, hey, can I get you on my show in a week? I say no, my calendar is booked out for months, potentially, you know, a lot of times in advance. Mm -hmm. And we are just really focused on that. So you need to really be a steward of your time as an entrepreneur. That's one thing I definitely learned early was you need to make sure that you are valuing your time at a very high level and keeping big blocks of time for yourself to do the meaningful work and go on the meaningful projects that you need to move your business forward and always be reevaluating, always be reprioritizing as things change, as you learn more information every step of the way. And as you say that, there's three success principles that you kind of operate by. One is the uh, Pareto and there are two others. Can you talk to us a little bit about those? Yeah, so Pareto's principle is something that I definitely focus on because, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's basically that 80% of your actions and 80% of all of your wins and your revenue and your successes are going to come from 20% of your actions. Absolutely. So what are those 20% of the actions that are really moving the needle at a high level? And the rest of those that aren't in that 20%, how can you delegate those or eliminate those from what you're doing? Because for me, I know where the big revenue levers are. You know, we publish our income report every single month. Absolutely. We've been doing it for over 60 months now. So for wow. over five, five years, years, every single month, we've been publishing a monthly income report. So we have a very good grasp, as is anybody else in the world that wants to look at our income reports, on what are our revenue generators. And if I ever find myself spending any or a lot of time on something that's not one of those four or five big levers, I need to question that and and ask myself, why? Why am I pulling a lever right now that's not in my top 20% that's having 80% of the overall results? Uh, Parkinson's law is another big thing that I follow, and that is tasks will expand to the time allotted. So few people ever put end time, end dates on anything they're trying to accomplish. And then guess what? It just expands into infinity and they wonder why they never get anything done. You must set parameters on your goals, on your aspirations, on what you want to accomplish. Otherwise, tasks will expand to infinity and you want tasks to expand to the time that you allot, which could be an hour, a day, a week, a month, fill in the blank, but it has to be allotted. And the third thing that really goes hand in hand with that is the Pomodoro technique, which is where you are going to have a set amount of time each day that you are setting a timer, you're pressing start, you're watching the first couple seconds tick off that clock. That is a very important visual cue for your mind to see. So let's say it's 45 minutes. Mm-hmm watch those first couple seconds tick off, and then your brain knows, hey, time is ticking, I'm gonna focus 45 minutes, I have a nice fun break coming up after that, let's move forward with this. So Pareto, Pomodoro, Parkinson's, the three big Ps, those are three things that I utilize in my business every day. Love it, what inspired you to share your income report with the world? How does so, that come about? Coming from an officer in the US Army and then moving into law school and corporate finance and commercial real estate, I was very traditional in my background. And I thought the online entrepreneurs were all scam artists and slimy. And I just didn't think that you could make money online by adding value by being a good person until I found Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income, who had been publishing his income reports for a couple of years at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was able to study those income reports and see how he did it and see that a good guy, a family guy that's adding value to the world is literally able to make significant revenue. And I said to myself, if I ever get to that stage where I'm generating revenue in the podcasting sphere, like Pat is in the blogging sphere, 
I want to give back to other entrepreneurs and to aspiring podcasters by sharing with them what's working for me so they can emulate my success, what's not working for me, what mistakes am I making so they can avoid those failures every step of the way. My next question is a bit personal, but I'm so curious as to how you balance your working and personal relationship being that you work so closely with Kate. The keys are communication. For us, we have constant communication and we have both business and then non-business mode. So when we wake up in the morning, we're both very big into our morning routine. So she's off doing her workouts, I'm off doing my workouts and then reading and journaling and meditating. And then we'll come together in the morning again for that kind of morning update to make sure we're on the same page business-wise. And then we'll just kind of go off and do our own thing. We both know where our place in the business is and we both execute on that place in our business. And then after the daily wrap-up happens at the end of every afternoon slash evening, then we move into the non-business side of the relationship where she'll go down and she'll cook dinner and you know I'll help out with this or that. And then you know we're very big card players. So we sometimes we do cribbage. We have this really fun Monopoly card game that we play to kind of mentally wind down from the day and just kind of have some fun time together and then watch a show or eating dinner, etc. And that's just kind of on the more personal side of things. You know, not that business conversations aren't happening in the evening because right. Entrepreneurs on Fire is our life and it is our passion and we enjoy talking about it. So it's not like we just try to avoid talking about it. And if we want to or something comes up that's relevant, we will have those conversations. By that time, we're we're both pretty ready to kind of shut things down mentally and kind of move into a more relaxing, enjoyable part of our day. And for instance, we're actually about to leave in a couple of days for a 65-day European trip, awesome. which is going to be, you know, like 90, 95% fun and then only about 5 or 10% work. I mean, we will definitely be having our work time frame every single day for like 45 minutes. Sometimes if it's a little more hectic, maybe a couple hours. But, you know, the majority of our time and our traveling in Europe for 65 days is going to be fun. Mm. You've been able to travel the world, as you just said, you know, because you have systemized with your SOPs and having a team. What have been some of your favorite places to have visited? So last year we got to get out to New Zealand, which was my first time out there. And Kiwis. I was in Queenstown, which was so much fun. And I did the, the largest bungee jump in the entire Southern Hemisphere. It was like 443 feet. It was pretty nuts. Mm -hmm. But Queenstown was absolutely fun and beautiful, as was all of New Zealand. We went to Hobbiton and did some other cool things. Absolutely. And then we went to Australia and got to really just travel Australia, the coast, and check out Sydney and the Gold Coast and Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And that was a really fun experience and a really fun time. And then we actually capped it off by doing lunch. London, and I spoke at a conference there where I was the opening keynote, and then Pat was the closing keynote at Chris Ducker's Youpreneur event. Mm -hmm. So it was just really fun. It was definitely a blast. And to kind of be able to mix both work and play in there was a lot of fun too. Like we met up with two of our friends, Jill and Josh Stanton from Screw the 9 to 5, and traveled a lot, a lot with them. Uh, my best friend from college, who I was just actually the best man at his wedding, flew out and just attended the event and had a blast. So it was just a really cool experience overall. We definitely made the most of that trip. Awesome. When you were in New Zealand, did you get to go and see the uh, colored lakes? No. Is that on the north of the South Island? Oh, I forget. Um, but they have like lakes that are they have like a pink one and like a blue one and they are naturally colored. Um, wow. There. So, next time. yeah, next definitely time. next time. Did you check out the Great Coral Reef? I know you did that while in Brisbane. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's a shame. I think they're, they're filling it now. So, it might not be there in, in a bit, but definitely yeah, a good experience. Yeah, that's what's happening. 
Yeah, awesome. So my next question is from Janet. She wanted to know what organic message did you use to grow your audience at the very beginning or did you just jump into advertising? So my organic message back, you know, before I had advertisers, because I didn't have any for the first six months was honestly, listen, if you want to be part of a community, if you want to be part of my audience, Fire Nation, if you want to be part of a group of people who are committed to supporting each other, guiding each other, being part of something bigger than just one person alone could ever be, then, you know, join Fire Nation, be part of our community, be part of the family. I just always wanted to bring that kind of sense of community to my podcast, which is why from the beginning, I just called my audience fire nation and always like during my show you know i reference them as fire nation like if we were on my show now i'd be like so fire nation you know what kevin just said was blah 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 and like i always like turning to them during the show so they kind of feel like i'm speaking directly to them because i am speaking directly to them and it's not just like a one-on-one conversation with you and may absolutely i love it so create your life family you hear that john lee dumas <laughs> always make sure that the fire nation is there in person a part of the conversation Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. So next person, Mike from Atlanta, he wants to know how long did you wait before you started selling from your show? I waited about four months before I started selling from my show. And again, if I had a product or a service or anything to sell before then, I would have. And I think that if you have a show, maybe, or if you're an entrepreneur who before you launch your show, you have a business, so you have products, you have services, you have communities, you should start day one. I mean, if you if you really have something that's of great value, that's going to improve somebody's life, then you should talk about it. You should promote it in your intro, in your outro. It's just, you know, goes without saying. But I'll say it anyways that you know it needs to be incredibly valuable. I personally love giving away free things on my show to my audience. Like a great example would be, hey, I have a completely free training to help you get to your big idea. It's called yourbigidea.io. It's a free training. Go check it out. You'll have your big idea in less than an hour. And guess what? People will flock over to there. They'll take the training. And then what happens during the training at the end of it, after they have their big idea, then I'll say, okay, if you want to take the next step and turn your big idea into real revenue, here's how you do that. And I'll give them an opportunity to join real revenue, which is a $325 course. So it's a funnel into a revenue generating machine that I've created, but it starts with a valuable free training. Create your life family. John says, start selling from your show immediately if you have something of value. Uh, One of our other questions, this is Chris out of Los Angeles. He wants to know how much of your multi-million dollar business can be attributed to affiliate sales and who was your first affiliate? I'd say about 20 to 25% is affiliate sales. And our first affiliate, believe it or not, was Aweber, who was the email client that I used. And I just said, hey, might as well start promoting them. And pretty shortly after that, I also was promoting Bluehost as well, because we used Bluehost at first. So yeah, those were our first two affiliates. Okay. What are some things that you wish you knew before jumping into being an entrepreneur? 
I wish that I knew the power of funnels before I jumped into being an entrepreneur. It took me a long time to figure out how to set up the right funnels and what a funnel was and how to have a funnel that can actually convert, how to test it and optimize it and do all those things. And I think that's an incredibly important skill that a lot of entrepreneurs end up overall just failing in business completely because they don't know how to create funnels that convert. And, you know, another side note, that's why I created a free training called FunnelOnFire.com because that teaches people how to create their own funnels that convert. Love it. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Career, hobby or anything that you've always wanted to pursue? So hard to say because I really don't know what I would be doing because I would potentially be in a very different financial situation. So it's really hard to say what I'd be doing. I don't have one of those hobbies or passions because, frankly, I'd be doing it a lot more right now if I did. But right now, I just really love running my business. I do enjoy traveling the world. You know, so, I mean, that's why Kate and I spend such a significant amount of our free time, a.k.a. 65 days straight mm-hmm. traveling and doing things along those lines. So I don't really know what I'd be doing. It'd be interesting to find out. <laughs> love it. What would you say are some success hacks that every entrepreneur entrepreneurs should know? I'd say entrepreneurs definitely need to focus on those three P's that we talked about, Parkinson's Law, the Pareto's Principle. Mm-hmm. It's definitely key that you are uh, focused on structuring your day correctly because I see so many people just waste day after day, which then bleeds into month after month because they just aren't doing the small things every single day that are getting them to success. Another big hack is you got to dial in your morning routine. If you dial in your morning routine, then you are setting yourself up for success because you're hydrating, you're exercising, you're meditating, you're journaling, you're reading a business book. If you're adding all of these things in as part of your morning routine, over time, it's going to add up to such massive results. Like over a week or a month, you might be like, I don't really feel like this is you know, adding so much. It is. It just takes time for this kind of stuff to add up and then it adds up to great wonderful success. So those are a couple of things you really want to be dialing in as an entrepreneur. Awesome. Who's been your biggest champion on your path to becoming who you are today? I would say Aaron Walker from View from the Top. He's just been somebody who I had as a guest on my show. He just way over delivered. And ever since then, he's just been kind of beating the JLD drum. And I really appreciate him for it. Sweet. And of the 2000 interviews that you have done, what do you feel are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Well, one of the biggest lessons by far is the fact that successful entrepreneurs have one big idea that they go all in on. Mm -hmm. So that's why I did create that free training, yourbigidea.io, because I was like, I want to help other people get to their big idea. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge thing for sure. Another thing is that successful entrepreneurs know how to set and accomplish goals. Not just any goals, SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound, which is, of course, why I created the Freedom Journal, which is a 100-day goal planner to do just that. So those are a couple of things I've definitely noticed about successful entrepreneurs. Okay, awesome. And this is the last question before we jump into the dolphin tank. What was John Lee Dumas's defining moment, the moment that set you on the path to become who you are right now? I'd say the day that I decided to invest my time in myself to educate myself through audiobooks, through reading, through podcasts, it was a decision I made. I literally can remember going to Amazon, ordering a crap ton of business books 
going to Audible, downloading a bunch of Audible books. And it was just like a decision I made that moment in time to better myself. And that was my defining moment because all the knowledge, it all was kind of like a domino effect. I knocked over that one domino of deciding to learn. And then everything that's come has been from that first domino. Okay. Awesome. My next question for you, John, is can you swim? Absolutely. I'm a phenomenal swimmer. I grew up on a lake in Maine, and I actually, for a number of years, held the state record in a relay for high school swimmers. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I guess you might be able to save me if I'm in the dolphin tank as well. (laughs) That's where we're jumping into, man. (laughs) First question. This is rapid fire. What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure that you are growing each year? My goal setting methods are to be smart about my goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. And I set one big goal every three months, aka 100 days. So every 100 days, I am setting and accomplishing one big goal. Okay, love it. What was holding you back from creating the life that you dreamed of? Knowledge. I didn't have the knowledge, which goes back to my defining moment when I made the decision to arm myself with knowledge. Mm-hmm. Everything fell into place. Okay. Who are some of your heroes that you look up to? I would say the classics, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, big fan of Benjamin Franklin. I'm about to start Teddy Roosevelt's autobiography, which I'm really excited about. So he's not one yet, but he may become one. Sweet. Top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly. Schedule once, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about your calendar. Your calendar will make or break you. Mm-hmm. And schedule once is the only way that I will schedule things. Okay, sweet. Favorite quarter model that you live by? Try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. Albert Einstein. Love it. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read? The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Okay. Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create the best life. Get clear about what your one big idea is, and that is so key. Install a morning routine that is a mandatory part of your day, and prioritize sleep. Love it. About how how many hours of sleep do you get a day? I go for a minimum of eight, and I've been known to sleep nine. And I think it's a personal thing, though, as far as some people I I definitely feel like can go with less sleep. Some people need more sleep. You just have to know thyself and prioritize that. Love it. And when EO Fire was a bit younger, were you still prioritizing eight hours or were you sacrificing sleep? I was sacrificing, and it was a mistake. Mm, Okay. So what's next for JLD and uh, EO Fire? So right now we're staying the course. Things are working. The new schedule is great. We're about to go on a 65-day trip right now, and so we'll get back. We'll kind of reevaluate how things are at the end of 2018 here and get ready to set the sights for 2019. Okay, love it. And how can we keep in contact with you? All the magic happens at eofire.com. We have some killer free trainings for entrepreneurs there. And of course, I love if anybody wanted to listen to my podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, where we just interview some of the top entrepreneurs around the world. And we really dig into what I call audio masterclasses, where they just drop unbelievable value on a topic that they're an expert in. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, John, we've reached 
the part of the interview, the third part, which is called the turnaround. And in the turnaround, I actually become the guest and you become the interviewer, which you are, of course, a pro at. So my only request to you at this point is be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> how much time and how many questions do I get? Um, you have at least you have a few minutes and you get uh, a minimum of three questions. What is something that you currently believe that you didn't six months ago? Wow, that is a good question. Something that I believe. Another way to think about it is what's something you've changed your mind about within the last six months? Wow. I think I've changed my mind around. So my show has typically been just live on air and we've gone through podcasts from there. I've really adjusted my mind in the last couple of weeks around becoming more location independent and not recording at an actual radio station live on air. So believing that being totally location independent is for me. If you could travel to anywhere in the world tomorrow, it would be as easy as snapping your fingers and you would be in that spot. What is the first place that comes to mind? Ghana, Africa, Accra. I'm big on history. And there are parts of Ghana that I'm absolutely dying to see. One particular thing being the slave castles. And in nearby Senegal, there's a Renaissance statue, which is absolutely gigantic, but beautiful. So I'm actually moving to Africa. Uh, I'm going to move there for at least three months, starting in December. And so I want to go out and see more of the world. Like I've traveled the world extensively and I lived in London for a period of time. And so now I'm just very interested in seeing more of Africa. I've seen a lot of Europe and I grew up in foster care my entire life. So I think some of that's the foster care to me that just likes to move around and go and see things because adapting is something that's pretty easy to me. So I'm very excited about it. (laughs) Interesting. What is one thing that you do every single day that you think disproportionately affects your life in a positive manner? You know what? I would have to be 100% honest. It is my daily routine. I have an acronym that I abide by. It's called ambition. I feel like everybody should wake up to their ambitions every single morning. And just doing that in that routine really puts me in a great place every single day. And, you know, the A stands for listen to your daily affirmations. The M is for, you know, motivation, listen to something motivational. Oftentimes it's your podcast or Evan Carmichael or somebody like that. The B is our body. So that means 15 minutes of stretching. The first I is for intelligence. So that's 15 minutes of reading. Then the the T is for thankfulness. So I give thanks. The other I is absolutely about our finances. Right. And then the O is to research and to look at my CRM system and look at my opportunities that I have going on. The N is for nutrition and the S is going back to schedule to make sure that I am in alignment. As you said, you know, you have to be a master of your calendar in order to be a great entrepreneur. And so as long as I do that every single morning, I start out, you know, on 10 and that's just my hour of power right there. So I'm starting out, you know, ahead of the game. That is what keeps me going and makes my day amazing every single day. What is your biggest flaw? Oh, wow. Uh, I would say my biggest flaw is probably trying to take on too much. So I need to become better at prioritizing things. And that's an area that I'm really focusing on improving at the moment. And I definitely could stand to be stronger in focus. (laughs) Follow one course until success. If you could have one take back 
over the last two weeks, meaning like you could snap your fingers and something that happened in the last two weeks disappeared from ever happening, what would that action be? Wow. Over the last two weeks, if I could take something back, I would say I created an online program called Debt Free College Academy, which teaches parents and students how to graduate college for free. And I think that I went back into relaunching it uh, prematurely. So I would probably rewind that a little bit and just be a bit more patient because I'm looking to be more collaborative in the efforts behind it. So that would probably be what I took back. Last question is, if you could recommend one book for me, knowing who I am, the stage in my entrepreneurial journey that I am, what book comes to mind? What Makes the Great Great by Dennis Kimbrell. Boom. Have you read it? No, never heard of it, never read it, but I will put it on the list. Yeah, absolutely. He was a former professor of mine at Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia. Brilliant man, but the stories of the people inside were amazing. And my favorite book is The Alchemist, but this book has trumped The Alchemist for me. So, really The Alchemist is actually one of those books that I ordered that very first day. Mm. Okay. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. That very first day was my defining moment. Sweet. You know what's funny about that book is I actually read it every single year. Smart. Very smart. (laughs) Do you have any books that you read on a continual basis? No, you know, there really isn't. And I like when I hear that people do because I feel like that's smart because I think you're at a different stage in your life every year. And so you can always get different things from those books. Mm -hmm. I haven't implemented that. And it's something that I would like to implement. So something else I'll put out there for me. Okay. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It's completely humbling, man. I'm very thankful for your time. Well, it was a great way to spend an hour, and I hope your listeners enjoyed it as well. And thanks for hanging out, brother. Absolutely. Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and review us. This helps us build the community, and building the community is what we are all about right now so that we can deliver as much value as possible to you. So until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.